Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience, and just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that, follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Right into the word. A little different, ain't it? Amen? Unless you want to hear me sing. How many, how many would you rather hear me sing or preach? <laughs> I preach, amen. Yeah, amen. Well, won't you stand with me and go to Revelation? Last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 21 today. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? Are you river ready? Amen. I love saying that. Amen. River ready. Ready for the word. Revelation, not Revelations. Chapter 21, this is our hope today. This is what I want to talk about. This is why we did what we did yesterday. This is why we do what we do as a church. We are an outreach community, outreach missional church. We are spirit-filled, spirit-empowered. We believe that we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, not to just say, you can call me charismatic now, you can call me Pentecostal, I have the card in my pocket. That's not why we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit so we can go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have the power of the Holy Spirit so we can overcome the flesh and we can live and be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Anybody agree with that? And so here in Revelation chapter 21, as I said, I want to talk about why we did what we did yesterday, why we do this. And that's simply because eternity matters. Eternity matters. Chapter 21, let's read this. I love this. This is John the Apostle having this vision. He was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching of the gospel. Church tradition tells us that they tried to kill him and put him into a boiling pot of oil, but God supernaturally kept him and he did not die. And so they pulled him out and they tried everything to kill the man and he couldn't, he wouldn't die. So they exiled him to this island reason why he didn't die because God still had a plan and a purpose for his life for him to write his last and final revelation of Jesus Christ and it is in this book that we read today and it's foretelling what he saw of our day today from chapter one all the way to the end so it's an eschatological book what we call it in theology eschatology the study of end times but it's also about heaven, and that's what I want to focus on today is our destination as Christians and, and where God has us. So uh, chapter 21, this is what he saw. He said, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. I love that. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain. Come on, somebody. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. Write them down, John. Just don't stare. I know you're overwhelmed. But there's going to be some people in 2018 that need to hear some good news. That need to have some hope. That, hey, this isn't all there is to life. That that there is no pain that earth can give you that heaven can't heal. Come on, somebody. That there is a hope. There is more to this thing that we call life. And it's an eternal destination of my people. So, John, write it down. Write it down for my people. Verse 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. Are you thirsty today? Maybe tired, but are you still thirsty? Are you still a seeker today? Are you still as hungry and as thirsty for God as you were when you first got saved? Stir it up, if not. Verse 7, he who overcomes. How many overcomers we got in this place today? He who overcomes. He or you can overcome it. I know we're not perfect. If you're committed, you're an overcomer. Because through Jesus, we are overcomers. Overcomers shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son, my daughter. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about eternity and how eternity matters. Father, we know that God, it matters. And I just pray your blessing upon the word today, Father, that you would would bless us and encourage us, your people, today. Comfort us with these promises as we talk about heaven, talk about you. But Father, let us also see a sobering truth, oh God, that it is our choice, Lord, and where we spend. And God, let it be today a motivation also for us to want to reach out and continue to live for you and do and reach and serve And get those who do not know, Lord, because we know it's your will that all men be saved. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated today in the house of God. Eternity matters. What matters to you? What's important to you? A lot of things matter uh, to a lot of different people. Sports matters to some people. Some people, like my mama, could care less. Does not matter about sports. Some of you, it may not matter that the uh, New England Patriots are coming in town for their first loss to the Detroit Lions in many years. Uh, we can, uh, yeah, I know. 
What does it matter, right, guys? I mean, you know, but I'm still going to watch because I'm a sports fan, and it does matter to me. Others of you, it may not. Some of you may not. It may not matter where LeBron James goes in the, in the sports basketball world. It don't, it don't matter to me. I'm really not a basketball guy. I got one enough time in my life for one sport, and it's football because football's king. But anyway, hey, uh, it may not matter to you. Deer hunters, some of you, this time of year matters to you. I used to work with a guy at the Marina, who the whole month of October, he would not do any fat fiberglass work. He wouldn't do any painting because he said the, the little uh, chemicals and the fabric of fiberglass get into his skin. And when he's in the woods, the deer can smell it. True story. This guy, it mattered to him. So it didn't matter to me. So I got all of his jobs. And that's what wouldn't matter to me was how the money smells. I don't care how the deer smells you. Amen. I say, hey, winter's coming. In that business, you had to work hard in the summer because it was feast or famine. You had to store up for the winter. And so I love deer hunting season for guys like that. But it matters to him. It matters where you put your deer blind. Right, guys? Right, John? Where you put the bait pile. It, it matters. These things matter to different people. Others of you could care less. Cold woods, warm bed. You know, that's where you are. What matters to you? And just wrote some of these down. Condiments and matter when you eat fast food. I mean, that's just a, I mean, if you order French fries through the drive-thru, put some ketchup in the bag if you're listening to me and you work for them. It matters. It matters. You got to have something to dip it in. It matters. I will turn the car around and drive all the way back to get me some dipping sauce for my fries or chicken nuggets. It matters. Some of you can eat it dry. I can't. Why? Because it matters to me. Some of you, it matters where Chick-fil-A is going to go when it's coming. Amen. It matters. Westland, Downriver, Ipsy, Ann Arbor. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you it's going to be by my house because it matters. It's in Allen Park, Downriver. Yes, it matters. Some of you, it matters how many days to Christmas. You're already counting down. It matters. It matters. We ordered chicken wings yesterday. One of my daughters ordered chicken wings. She thought it was odd because they didn't ask her hot or mild sauce. And she thought that was confusing. When she got it, it was dry. There was no hot sauce on chicken wings. We had a 20-minute debate of who's going to the store to get Frank's red hot sauce because it matters when you eat wingdings. It was a crisis in the house. We had to pray and fast, pray in the Holy Ghost, because we were getting upset over our hot sauce. You're like, he's not very spiritual today. You, you are the same way. After service today, someone's going to ask you where you want to go to eat, and you're going to say those God-forbidden words, it don't matter to me, and World War III is going to break out in your car because you can't pick a place to eat. Sometimes you, it just has to matter. Getting you laughing because it's going to get hot. It's going to get quiet in a minute. Amen. No, but these things matter. And let me tell you today, honestly, why we read this scripture, because there's nothing that matters more to God than the eternal destination of the souls of mankind. 
That's where I'm going with today. There's nothing else that matters to God. What song selection or style of music or outfits or suit or ties or chandeliers or smoke or fog, whatever that kind of style doesn't really matter to God. The most important thing that matters to God in Jesus Christ is the souls of mankind. It's the eternal souls. God is a soul winner. I never forget a story I heard years ago of a father and a son walking along this beach. I heard this 20 years ago, and I never forgot it. And they were walking along the beach, and the ocean was just, the waves were coming up and washing up these, every now and then, these little silver dollars uh, and, and the, the little sea creatures there uh, and, and sand dollars. And they would uh, pick those, is that what they're called, sand dollars? Yeah, I'm from Michigan. We don't have much uh, ocean sand dollars here. Anyway, anyway they, he would pick those up and he would throw it back into the water and they would walk another 10 feet and the ocean would wash up another fresh batch. And the son was watching the dad pick them up, take the time and throw them back in when it seems like just, uh, why do you do that when the water just washes another fresh batch up? And so he asked his dad, he said, dad, why do you keep doing that? It don't even matter. Why do you keep picking it up and throwing it in. I'll never forget that dad picked it up and he said, son, because it matters to this one. It matters to this one right here. And he threw it back into the water. And I think that's when it comes to winning souls. You look at the, the world today. You look at the news and you look at so much bad news and so much division and hatred and, and sin and problems and crime. My gosh, you try watching, especially our local news, man, and trying to catch an update on weather or something. They hit you with murder, murder, babies, and stabbings. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's only been five minutes. And it's like, it's just, and sometimes it can get overwhelming. And you're like, what does it matter anymore to, to, to preach the gospel? I'm telling you, it matters. It matters to that one yesterday that I saw give her heart to Jesus. It matters. Thousands of people and then coming to get groceries and, and, and all of that was going on and so many volunteers. So why do we do, why does Convoy of Hope do that? Because it matters if one gives their heart to Jesus Christ. And by the way, there were several, I don't know on the numbers, uh, Miranda, we just got the, how many? 49 gave their heart to Jesus yesterday. Amen. <laughs> but I just wanted to say how proud I was and am of this church as your pastor. We had the second largest volunteer group to show up in Detroit. It's awesome. I'm proud to say that. One of our other churches, Rock, bless his heart. Man, I, I thank God for that church. They showed up with over 100 volunteers. River of Life was number two with 65 volunteers. How many went yesterday? How many went? <laughs> Look at this, man. Awesome. And you know what, if you didn't go, don't feel bad because I know you're going to go maybe next time or, or, or you're probably, you know, you, you're with us in prayers and, and, and get in there maybe next time. Or guess what, we got our Harvest Festival coming up. Now it's our turn to bless Belleville, to bless Town River. Amen. Now it's our turn. Why do you do this so much, Pastor Eddie? Because I'm tired. I don't want to. Why do, you, why do you do so much? Because God loves us so much and he cares. And because eternity matters. That's why we do it. First time I ever went to one of these out, out, uh, outreaches was the last time Convoy came here. 
And it was in 1997, I just gave my heart to Jesus that year, and I walked, and I heard about what we were doing, and I went up there, and I was blown away at how big the church of Jesus Christ was, what they were doing. I've never been, I've been to carnivals, like, that was that size. But yet I looked around, and this was all the church. It just, I never forgot that. And I was so proud to be able to be a pastor and send on our church do it this year. And Miranda, you did an awesome job as our missions director. That's a lot of work. A lot of work went into that. Whew, it matters. Amen. Who responded in those text messages? It matters. It matters the details. And so you did a phenomenal job. And I'm so proud of this church. So proud of you guys. Because eternity matters. But I love how it just describes our home. And for 48 verses, our eternal home for believers, for 48 verses, chapter 21 and chapter 22, 48 verses. He just began to give us detail upon detail of what our eternal home is going to be like for the believers. His view, he used words the best he could describe in the ancient world of this beauty that he saw. And he said it was adorned like a bride coming out of the heavens. The new city was coming down. It was beautiful like a bride. It was so breathtaking. One of the things I love to do when I do weddings is to stand up here. One of the highlights, after all the rehearsal and all the arguments and all the crazy stress that weddings that they tend to bring, and my favorite part is still is to stand here and after the wedding party comes up and lights the candles and marches and the music's playing and everyone's dressed so nice, then there's a, usually a little pause that takes place and the doors are still shut and it's quiet just for a moment and then there's a shift in the music and and another song begins to play. The back doors come flying wide open. And in walks the bride herself. It's her day. It's her time to shine and walk down that aisle. And I love it. I get caught up and I look at I just like to look, take a step back and look at that groom. And I've never seen a groom to this day look with any disappointment in his eyes. I don't care if they've been dating for years. It's still many times it's overwhelming and it's emotional. And I may not even know him, but I'm going, <laughs> it's so beautiful. How many cry at weddings? Come on, somebody. Amen. How many cry, but you'll never admit it in the house of God? Amen. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Wait to Kennedy. I'm telling you, it's coming. I already know my two daughters. I'm, Lord, help me. I'm going to be a mess. But he's writing and he's saying, and let me just bless you for a minute, man. We've heard about heaven. We've heard about heaven. We've, we've thought about heaven. We've read about heaven. Some of us have dreamed about heaven. But I tell you what, when that day comes, it's going to be the most exciting and beautiful and wonderful day that you've ever experienced in your life. When you look and you behold that new Jerusalem and that new heaven's coming down and your name, you're going to be overwhelmed with joy. Overwhelmed with joy. He described it to the best he could. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness. He says not even sadness. Let me bless you today. Not even sadness. You're not even going to be sad no more. We can't even relate to that. No more sorrowness and that grieving that you feel in your heart. It's going to be gone. Then he says no more sea. 
Now, I want you to understand something. In the ancient world, the sea was a place of mysterious and, and fear. It was a place where mama sent their sons off to the sea and many never returned. It was a place of a boundary. It was as far as you could go. And it was a fearful dread of fear and anxiety. And John says, let me put this in here. There's not going to be any more boundaries, no more fear, no more anxiety. You don't have to be worried about nothing no more. You don't have to be dreadful about nothing no more for it's going to be gone Woo! yeah i love it already amen there is going to be water by the way because i love water amen there's a river of life we'll get to that in a minute yes our church will be there <laughs> then he says this how about this new bodies how many's ready to trade in your body? Come on. Some, <laughs> hey, everybody over 30. That's what happens. You just see that? Go ahead, you little 20-something or something. Uh-huh. Your day's coming, Tyler. Amen. It's coming. It's coming, Josh. Look at you. Uh-huh. Yeah. You probably don't even need coffee. There's going to come a day, brother. It just happens. And the Bible tells us we're going to have a new body. Beautiful, it's gonna be strong. I think I'm gonna have long flowing hair. Come on, somebody. You're gonna be like, who is that handsome man? All I saw was hair. That's Pastor Eddie. <laughs> Woo! Help me, Jesus. New bodies. New bodies. We're gonna be it's gonna be returned to the original state of how we were in the garden. God gave Adam and Eve beautiful celestial bodies. They were, they were, they were divine. They were like God almost. They, they were perfect in every way. No sickness, no sadness. And once again, our bodies will be restored to its original state. John said it like this, beloved, it has not yet been revealed what we will be, but we know that when we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. In other words, John says, I don't know how to explain it to you. I don't understand it myself. But all I know is we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to have those bodies like Jesus did. Remember when he rose again from the dead, immediately in the garden, he was, in, he was all spirit form. That's why he said, Mary, touch me not, for I haven't ascended to heaven. I haven't got my new body. But just a few chapters later, he's now appearing, and he's saying, Thomas, touch my hand. Touch my hand. And Tom, they're all like freaking out, like, what is going on? And he says, no, I can eat. He even was able to eat. You can touch me, but he could go through walls. He wasn't contained by any boundaries. Guess what? You're going to be able to walk and I'm going to fly. Hallelujah. I can't wait. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know you're going to fly in somewhere in there. It's got to be. Give you the desires of your heart. Oh, how many's always wanted to come on fellas. Amen. That's what I, that's my people. Amen. Spider-Man was my guy growing up. Love Spider-Man. Then all of a sudden I was turned on to that flying man, Superman. Anyway, anyway, Towels around my neck, climbing the garage, jumping from garage to the next. I wanted to be Superman. Amen. That's going to happen. But he said, new bodies, new bodies. Chapter 22. And I love this, man. Seriously, guys. How many have an imagination? God's given us an imagination. Don't ever lose your ability to be creative and to use your imagination for good things and godly things. God's given you that. You remember when you was a child, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in your hearts. You remember as a child that you ever think about God and wonder about God in a way of adventure? 
God gave you that ability to do that. The world begins to just steal that from us and we get so bogged down with bad news and issues and hatred and just problems that we lose the ability to have creativity and to wonder again like a child. Don't ever lose that. Chapter 22 begins to talk about an adventure that we're going to have in heaven. He mentions the river of life, the only church that's going to go to heaven. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Just kidding if you're listening to our podcast, but our church is in there. Anyway, um, but he talks about the river of life flowing from the throne room, and on both sides is the tree of life. That's the tree of life that was in the garden. As long as Adam and Eve ate of that tree of life, even in a fallen state, they still would have been healed and lived supernaturally. But God said, I'm not, I can't let you live forever because you're tainted by sin. So it was one of the most darkest days in human history when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. But God said, as hard as it is for me to watch, I've got a better plan that's coming just right down the line because they're going to really know that I'm not just a dictator in heaven. They're going to really know that I'm a God of love and compassion because I'm going to send the greatest gift that humanity has ever seen. I'm coming down there myself and I'm going to bleed and I'm going to die for mankind. Why? So they can be with me in heaven. Do you know God looks at death different than you and I look at death? He does. We think it's the end of all things, and that's because we get so wrapped up in today. But the Bible says this, how beautiful it is in the eyes of God, the death of one of his saints. You know what that scripture means to me? It's because God gets to finally say, come on, let me show you. Let me show you. How beautiful it is, Grandma, how, how beautiful it is when you see. I believe there's going to be colors up in heaven that we still haven't had and ever seen on earth. The Bible describes these mystical creatures of angels and having wings and, and, and beautiful. There are angels right now. And, and here's my favorite verse. It's, it's the verse 3. This is my favorite part of this chapter when it says, God himself would dwell with them and them with God. He shall be their God and they will be their people. We're going to be with God. We're going to see it. We're going to finally understand all mysteries. I think the first sound that we're going to hear in heaven isn't applauding. I think the first sound is going to be, oh, (laughs) seriously, that's why that happened. Hear me. Oh, that's why that happened. Seriously. Oh, you made it? I believe it's going to be, oh, seriously. And then it's going to be, oh, happy day. Come on, when all my sins are wiped away, when I can sing for a thousand years and eternity has just begun. I'm going to walk on those streets. I'm going to see everything. I'm going to know everything. I'm going to understand everything. No more pain. I'm not going to get tired. No more sadness. Watch out. If you are slow, you're going to be able to run. Come on, somebody. We're going to run and have a great time in the presence of God. But my favorite is be able to see God. Understand all mysteries because we'll be like Jesus. No more having to imagine heaven. No more to use faith. And it will be no more tabernacle. This was huge for the Jewish people when they read this. They were like, John, you mentioned Jerusalem because Jerusalem in the center of the... This is before it was a political word. This was written before CNN or Fox News used that word, okay? This is the original beginning. That's just the destination and the location geographically that God had selected to put the eternal kingdom in heaven on earth. 
I'm not going to get all into the technical terms, but he chose the Jewish people because they were the smallest people group on the planet. God's always for the underdog. And he just selected that area, but he told them that it's going to be a place of, of, of just blessing, not just turmoil and, and, and all of this separation, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a place where God himself will dwell. But he said, I, mean, I know the Jewish people are like, why didn't you put the tabernacle in there? And he said, because God and his son are the tabernacle. We won't need church. We won't need church no more. I won't need to preach to you no more. You won't need to hear the word because you're going to be walking with the word. But you know one thing we still will do in heaven? Worship. Because you never outgrow worship. You're going to worship in heaven. We're going to worship. You're going to worship in heaven. So you better worship now. If you don't like worship now, I used to, when I was a kid, I heard church that heaven was going to be a one long worship service. Seriously, I got so depressed. I'm like, I thought, what happened to the unicorns? You know, what? you know. Again, I was 27, or I mean, I was 16. But I used to think, oh my gosh, it's going to be loud. And we were attending Grace, and a lady with the tambourine. Remember the tambourine? She used to sing. Her. That's why I hated worship because I didn't hear nothing. But you know. That's why we don't allow tambourines, brother. I'm bringing my tambourine. Well, you have a tambourine. God's giving you two tambourines, okay? Use those in Jesus' name, amen. If you don't use these, why are we going to give you a microphone? Why are we going to give you an instrument if you can't worship without it? Woo! Clap your hands, all ye people! Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm going to worship so you learn. But I've realized that the kind of worship is not, we do our best with these instruments. When we get to heaven, man, it's going to be, you're going to want, that's going to be your response, is to fall down in, in his presence and, and say, Jesus. But there's two things I wanted to give you today, and I'm not going to have time to get to number two, so I'm going to pick up next week. Can I talk about this next week? But I wanted to give you two things about eternity today that are so important that you need to understand. And the first one is this, that everyone chooses their own eternal destination. I want you to know that. Because there is this, this narrative that's been out through for over the years that God is this mean dictator in heaven that he puts people in heaven, puts people in hell, and he's the one. He's not the one that does this. You and I choose where we spend our eternal destination. Notice there are only two verses out of 48. I only read to you one of the two out of two chapters that talk about missing heaven. It's in verse 8 about the cowardly and the unbelieving. That's describing those who don't have the boldness. They're cowards and they won't live for God. They won't serve God. I mean, that's, that's, that's very, very strong. I realize but there's only two verses out of all those verses that describe missing heaven. Why? Because God doesn't want anyone to miss heaven. That's why. He said, hey, Jesus taught more about hell than he did about everything. But when it comes to descriptions given about heaven and hell, we have way more vivid descriptions about heaven than we do about hell because God doesn't want anyone to miss it. He wants you to see how beautiful it is and he wants you to see how wonderful it is and let your imagination go and, and think about how awesome it's going to be to be in heaven with God. Amen. As a youth pastor, this, I would never preach on heaven. It's hard to preach to young people about e eternity. They're like, what? I can't even see. You know, 25 is old. But then the older you get, you think more about it. Amen. 
But I think if we really thought about eternity as much as Jesus did, as much as Paul the Apostles did, as much as the early church did, then it would revolutionize our life. Hear me. Chapter 11 of Hebrews, it tells us that the great patriarchs, there were men and women like you and me, that they made an impact in the world because they thought up, they would look forward to a kingdom whose builder and foundation is made by God. In other words, it helped them get through this world. I'm going to hit on myself. But about eternal destinations, God doesn't want anyone to miss heaven. Look what he says. The Lord is not, the Bible says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Tell your neighbor he's patient with you. That's why he's patient with you. This is why he's been patient with me even when I was in my rebellion and why I'm still here today. He was patient. There is an end to God's patience, though. Let me make that clear. There is. And certain people, again, we don't understand why that is. I I could read all day, by the way, of the goodness of heaven. I can tell you about how there's no more sorrow. I can tell you about Isaiah where he talks about there will be no more, any more deaths of children. Children will live long lives, even longer than a tree lives. And there's a description, again, the best of their ability. He's trying to tell us how wonderful it's going to be. No more sorrow, no no more tragedy, man. That's big to me. As a pastor, I'm around it a lot. By the way, I just started the chaplain training last week, so pray for me, amen, to be the chaplain of Van Buren. What a privilege and opportunity, but our whole class was about uh, death, dealing, giving death notices to family, and they talked about the three hardest notifications to give, and it's a child, and, and, and ODs, and suicides, and you got to deal with that, and, and being in, in ministry, you deal with that a lot. Well, guess what? And it's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. You talked about PTS, and they're training me in that, and post-traumatic syndrome, and emotional PTS. See, that exists, and how you're just so exposed all the time. You know, that's why you've got to, even you, people that are not uh, common, ordinary people, as terms as you're not in ministry, dealing with funerals and, and all of that, you, we are soul and spirit. You've got to pay attention to how much negative news you're going to get in your spirit. Hear me today. There was a time in my life when the TV went off. Growing up. How do you remember those days? The TV went off at the end of the night. It turned off. It was fuzzy or the lines. And the phone, guess what? You couldn't get a hold of me unless I was at home. And you would have to leave a message. And when I got home, I got you. But now we got this phone in our pocket. Never stops. Notification. News. Update. This has happened. This is happening. I mean, it can overwhelm us. You got to be careful of that. But anyway, God doesn't want anyone to miss, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Everyone see that. But everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone. What does that mean in the Greek? Same as it does in English. Everyone to come to repentance. Repentance is that wonderful word where you realize you are a sinner and you realize that your decisions and your sin is horrible and causing you pain and destruction. And you finally say, hey, there's a better way to live. And it's this way. I repent. I turn my mind. I change my way of thinking. I change the direction of my life. And I'm now going with Jesus. That's repentance. That's repentance. It's not, okay, I heard about Jesus. I'm taking Jesus with me, and I'm still going in this direction. That's religion. Can I preach to you? Repentance is when we change. Everyone say change. God says, I want everybody to change. 
You need to also know that he didn't create hell for you and me. You need to know this. Matthew, Jesus himself said that on the day of judgment, it's going to come and he's going to say, depart from me. Who? You who, or who are cursed into eternal life. Those who rejected Jesus. And watch what he says. And go into the hell that was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. That word prepared means to be built and prepared. It was built and prepared for Satan and his angels. Satan had a name in the Bible before he's known as the devil, and he's not a little man in a red suit, by the way. His name was Lucifer. He's the evil influence that's in the earth today. That's who the devil is, the evil influence that is, that is anti-God, anti-righteousness, anti-love, anti-peace, anti-anything good and holy. He is, he is that opposite of that. He is anti-that. His name was Lucifer, and he was involved in worship according to the Bible, and he rebelled against God. He, he was lifted up in pride, and God expelled him from heaven, and he took a third of the angels. And here we're told in Isaiah that hell has been expanded. It has enlarged herself, and it has opened its mouth to receive more. In other words, the devil has, uh, has enlarged hell. It was prepared for him and the angels, but he has opened it up. That's what the Bible teaches so it's not God that sends anybody to hell. You need to know that today. You need to know that today. So why not make everybody go to heaven? Why not just God automatically let everyone experience what I just read to you in two chapters? Is feel, just automatically make people go. That seems to be logical when you're like eight years old, but then you finally realize that you really can't have love unless you have choice. Unless you have free will. It's not really love. You put a gun to someone's back and say, okay, tell me you love me. And they say, I love you. It's not real. They're just forced to say that. So as wonderful as God has created us, one of the hardest but one of the most beautiful thing God gave every human being, hear me, on planet Earth that separates us from animals and everything else is the ability to choose and the knowledge to choose for ourselves. Which one do we want? It's like tying somebody up in a chair, duct taping them and saying, I'm so happy you decided to spend some time with me. Because no one's going to be in heaven who don't want to be there. And no one's going to be in heaven who don't want to be with God and who don't want to be with God even now. People who reject God now, they're finally going to get their wish, people. And that's going to be a life without God and holiness and Bible thumping and holier than thou and, and all of that stuff you do on Sundays. I'm going to, I want an eternity without it. Friend, you don't know what you're saying. You're saying you want to spend an eternity without God and God is love. God is peace. God is joy. God is light. And you're saying you want to be separate. Don't do that today. You think about it, There's no one that's been rejected more than God. I want you to hear me today because we kind of get this reasoning in our mind that, you know, at the end of the day, God still should make everyone go to heaven. No, no, you got to understand. It would, it, it, would, it would contradict his character. He's a just God. 
If a man rapes a woman and stands in front of the judge and, the, and he says to the judge, I know what I did was horrible, but I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, I was having a bad day. It would be injustice if that judge said, okay, I believe you have a good day. It would be injustice to the crime that he violated and to the woman that he violated. The judge must carry out justice. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day. All the injustice we got in the world today, you, they're going to stand before God and God's going to expose it all. Every crooked politician... Every crooked and, and atheist and professor that is denied in the existence of God, we're going to stand before God and give an account for it. Yeah. It's true. God is saying today, man, I didn't make that for you. Satan re rebelled and rejected Jesus, took a third of the angels with him. Just give you three in incidences. One of them is Lucifer rejecting God. Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve in perfect, a perfect marriage. A perfect marriage. There was no dude at the office to have an affair with. There was no lady. It was a perfect marriage. It was, she's never been abused in any way. They had the perfect environment, perfect bodies. So they weren't too tired to go on a date. You just think about it for a moment. They were put in a perfect environment, yet they themselves chose life outside of God. And then humanity followed suit. Sin entered into the world. And because sin entered into the world, so did death and pain. I never knew Adam and Eve. I'm old, but not that old, Joshua. Neither did my dad, my grandpa. No one here knows, you know. But we all have the DNA. Just like I don't know my great, 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 great grandma, but I'm told, or grandpa, that many of us have the genes that have been handed down. We've all been handed down the sin nature from our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve and humankind. So God came down here himself. I want you to think about this. I know this may be, you know, back to elementary for some of us. We need to be reminded of this. But God came down here in, the, in his son, sent his only son, who lived a perfect life for 33 and a half years. Didn't do anything but love people, raise people from the dead, open up blinded eyes, love people, eat with sinners, get the religious people all bent out of shape. He loved people. What did we do? We crucified him. Think about it. No one has rejected God more than us. But yet God is still saying, please, please. In Ezekiel, he says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn, he says. Look how many times he says that. Turn from your evil ways. Repent. Come to me. Why will you die, people of Israel? Look at the compassion. That this prophet said, God is saying in heaven, man, come on, turn. Won't you just turn? Come on, turn. I, I can't make you because then it's not real love. Choose me. Come on, choose. That's why we were there yesterday, handing out flyer, handing out something that showing people that, they, hey, man, God loves you. Why? Because we want them to choose. Let me tell you something. You've got to choose in your heart of hearts. And I love Joshua. He stood up in chapter 24 or 15, and he got all of Israel out there, and he says, choose you this day. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, I what? I choose. We're going to serve the Lord. Come on, how many Joshua's we got here? How many serve? How many choosing to serve the Lord? Do you see the choice? Everyone see the choice today. It's a choice. Joshua stood up and he said, hey man, choose for you. If, if, it's, if you don't want to serve God, let's go ahead. I've had some friends that I've gotten their face and told them that. 
tired of you coming in and out of church. One of my friends said, he'd come to church and go out and get drunk and just quit everything and act the fool, come back. And I got so, I was like, man, well, I went over his house and there he was on a three-day drunk and just going nuts. He had a fifth of Jack Daniels in his hand and he had a Bible on the, on the, on the stand. And I remember telling him, I said, he said, wait, why is this happening? I said, you got to choose this or that. He's a big dude. He was crazy. But he was drunk, so I would have been like, whoa, 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 bob and weave. No, I'm just kidding. But I was just had it, and I told him, and I said, man, choose. I said, this stuff's leading you to destruction. God has such a better life for you, man. And I thank God by the end of the conversation, he fell to his knees. He repented. He gave his life to God. He come back into church and began to serve the Lord. But it's a choice that you and I have to make. Are you with me today? Choose. It's a choice. And the second thing, and I'm going to close on this and pick up on this more next week but eternity is not only everyone's destination but for the believer it's our motivation it's our motivation as believers church this is why this is why we live this is why we live the way we live when you become eternal my eternally minded it will change the way you raise your kids I want our kids to be successful, I want them to be educated, I want them to be athletic, I want to get them into sports and all of that, but when you really get eternal minded, all of that, listen to me, doesn't matter as much as them being biblically anchored, Christ-centered, spirit-filled life changers. Hear me today, moms and dads. You want them to be happy. You want them to get education. You want them all of that. Absolutely. But when we really get eternally minded, it'll change the way you raise your kids. I love seeing our parents with all the kids yesterday. Some of them maybe not understood what they were doing. I tell you what, they'll never forget that they were in Detroit on a Saturday running around, handing out groceries and playing with kids, handing out shoes. And then come back to them one day. I'm telling you. I remember being brought up in the church and things that I remembered as an adult. I thank God for those because I thought, what made my mom and dad want to volunteer on a Saturday instead of sleeping in? What made them go to church? What made them bring me to church so much and bring me into Royal Rangers and bring me into girls? Man, I'm telling you, that stuff, those are seeds that are deposited in the hearts of God. And if we don't do that, listen, God has nothing to work with, moms and dads. Please hear me today. But when you really get eternally minded, we say, hey, man, we want our kids to be Christ-centered, biblically anchored, spirit-filled world changers. Christ-centered, biblically anchored, spirit-filled life changers. Christ-centered, come on, say it with me. Christ-centered, biblically anchored, spirit-filled life changers. Write it down. That's your goal as a parent, to make sure your child, your children are Christ-centered, biblically anchored, spirit-filled life changers. That's what you want them to be. Whether they be a missionary, if that's their calling, then do it. Or maybe they're going to be a mom, stay-at-home mom, a working dad, and, and be a missionary to their family. That's just as important as going to Africa or Uganda. If that's your calling, you hear me today? We want our kids to do that. This is why Jesus always had people on his mind. That's why he had people on his mind. That's why he went five miles, which was six miles out of his way, to meet with a woman who's been married five times and was living with number six, wasn't even married. Ooh. That was big stuff in the ancient world. So she would go because she felt so much shame. She was so broken. She didn't want to be around religious people. She didn't want to be around anybody. So she hid out 
And so she knew to go get water. My favorite story. You guys know that. I preach it all the time. It's my favorite story in the Bible. Even though I'm not a woman, say amen. I can relate to that story, and I think that's why we don't have her name. So you can put your name in that story. Jesus goes all the way out of his way. His disciples couldn't handle it, so he sent them into the city, probably to go get some dipping sauce for their fries, actually, because it matters. But he sent the disciples away because Jesus said, I got something that matters so much to me that I'm going to go way out of my way and meet this woman that society has thrown away because I want to meet with her and tell her that she matters to me. He says, woman, give me something to drink. In other words, I'm thirsty like you're thirsty. What did he do? He removed the judgment, put him on common ground. She was like, ooh, you saw the way I'm living, you ain't gonna judge me? He's like, and if anyone could, he could. He's like, I ain't judging you. I wanna know what gets you up in the morning. What are you craving after? She said, well, in order to get what I get, you gotta have something to draw the water up with, because it's a well. And Jesus said, honey, I am a well. And I love it. If you only knew. God, those are so powerful words. I wish I could be on CNN and Fox News and look at America and say even to the religious people, if you only really knew how good Jesus is, if you only really knew how he's, what he's got prepared for you, if you only really knew every church in America would be packed, standing room only, lining outside and all the way down the street. If people only really knew how good it is to be a Christian, they only knew. Young people, don't be afraid to serve God. Don't be afraid to take your Bible to church or go around the flagpole or say your grace over your food. It, deep down, they all want it. They're just afraid that they're going to be per- persecuted and made fun of. But man, Jesus came right there to her and said, hey, if you only knew what I had, you'd be asking me. Why? Because Jesus was eternally minded. This is why we serve. This is why we do what we do, Steve. This is why we do what we do. Will you stand with me today? It's our motivation. It gets you through. That's why many of you walked 15 blocks yesterday, Billy. Many, many of you walked 15, no exaggeration. Some of you guys walked 15 blocks on the west side of Detroit in a place you didn't know, carrying groceries, thinking, okay, (laughs) how much further? (laughs) You know, it's like, follow me down this alley, you know. I love you, but okay. Some of you really started praying in the Holy Ghost, didn't you? Amen. See? Why? Because it matters. That's all I want to remind you today why we're here, why we do what we do, why we got the lights off, still having church, while we're building a building. We're building a building now so we can go, oh, it's another church building. We're building a building because God's called us to change this city in Southeast Michigan for the glory of God. And I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. We want change to happen. It matters. It matters to have bigger classrooms, bigger sanctuary, bigger stage. Hallelujah. Be able to run around up here. Bigger. Why? Because it matters to God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Thanks for listening. 
We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. 